Welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast, coming to you from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee. Be sure and check us out and like us on Facebook and Instagram, and follow us on Telegram, as well as on the website of libertyleadershipandlies.com. You can subscribe to notifications on the website to follow the blog there. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Again, that is Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. Now, on to the episode. This week's topic is lies. Boy, there sure are a bunch of them that made it into the news this past week as well. Where do I begin? Before we start, though, a few admin items to discuss. First, I hope that everybody listening has the same number of fingers and toes they had this time last week, and that they did not suffer a mishap celebrating the anniversary of our republic's independence. Second, this is the final plug for the Tennessee Freedom Summit. Today, July 7th, is the last day to register for this event. Visit TennesseeFreedomSummit.com and register to attend, especially if you live in Tennessee. For myself, I hope to bring back a lot of information from this summit that I can share with the audience on ways that we can stand together in the arena to restore our liberty. Third, and again, this is if you live in Tennessee and you're interested into stepping into the arena for the volunteer state, be sure and check out the Tennessee Liberty Network on Facebook. They are doing great work. They are also partnering with other patriots in the state that will work for and with us instead of against us like all levels of government seem to be doing lately. There are many groups out there, all over the country, all over the state, that are working diligently to ensure a return to government that was instituted to secure our rights. Seek those groups out. Stand in the arena with your fellow patriots. Exercise your duty and your responsibility in self-governance that our founding fathers passed down to us. Now on to lies. As I said, there are many from just the past week alone that we could cover, but I'll do my best to fit some of the important ones into this half hour. The first set of lies we will discuss is like killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. These lies concern the usurper-in-chief and the enabling media. Another new report came out this past week concerning emails and pictures on crackhead pedophile Hunter's laptop. The news media and social media's suppression of anything to do with the stinking piles of excrement that were contained on that laptop had a dramatic impact on the last election. In fact, a poll conducted shortly after the election showed that one out of every six Biden voters, which is almost a full 17% of them, reported they would have not voted for him had they known the facts about at least one of the stories of the treasure trove of filth and information on that laptop. So, of Biden's 81 million votes, yeah, right, you can believe that, that equates to almost 13 million votes he would not have received. 13 million! That poll was conducted in seven swing states, six of which Biden reportedly won. But of course, he only won them in the middle of the night after everybody had gone to sleep with these strange and weird vote spikes for him and nobody else was paying attention. But now, even more damning information is coming out that was on that laptop. Never mind the sexual predation and the rampant drug use, 
but information directly contradicting the fraud in chief, Dementia Joe, and his claims about involvement or lack of involvement in his son's dubious business dealings. There's a picture on that laptop of crackhead, Dementia Joe, and the very shady Carlos Slim, you know, that Mexican businessman that was taken in the vice presidential residence during the time frame that Joe was Barack Obama's number two. Wait, I'm sure you all remember Dementia Joe's multiple claims on multiple national television networks that he had absolutely zero involvement with his son's business dealings. Dementia Joe repeatedly claimed he had never discussed Hunter's business dealings with his son or anyone else in his family. By the way, that got me thinking, whatever happened to Tony Bobolinsky? Look him up. I sure hope that he has not been disappeared or suicided, if you know what I mean. Isn't it sad, though, that we Americans have to rely on the foreign press organizations that are digging into this laptop, or very few news organizations in our country, in order to get the stories like this? Nothing in the mainstream media, nothing on big tech unless you actively search for it. Some of these newly discovered emails have references in them to crackhead Hunter using Air Force Two during his pursuit of these influence-peddling, Biden-crime-family-enriching business deals. Kind of makes sense now that Hunter had to pay the big guy, or his chairman, 10% of the take. Air Force Two is an expensive operation to utilize. Then there are emails that detail a notable dinner with Hunter, his business partners, and Dementia Joe that was arranged in Washington, D.C., again during the time Joe was the vice president. A dinner where another member of the Burisma board, you know, that corrupt energy company out of Ukraine that Hunter Biden served on the board of, personally thanking Hunter for introducing him to the big guy. How are these revelations not covered by every cable news network and major print media company in this country right now? If these reports are false, it is an extremely elaborate disinformation campaign. Remember, though, the Biden crime family has never denied that that laptop is not crackheads. If these reports are true, Heels Up Harris will not have to try and use the 25th Amendment to remove the addle-brained usurper in chief. His slim majority in Congress will have no choice but to impeach. I mean, Congress impeached the last president over a phone call that contained zero quid pro quos, as they claimed. After the transcript was released, we found that out. And then they impeached him again for telling a crowd to march peacefully to the Capitol building. By him telling them to march peacefully, Congress interpreted that as inciting an insurrection. But even if these reports are true, you can rest assured that this Congress will do absolutely nothing about it. They care little for what the Constitution actually states. Their only concern is power. And if they impeach, they will have to admit they were wrong during the campaign. Now, if you ever doubted the death of true journalism in our republic, these latest revelations should cure you of that. All of the actions of big tech, social media, and news media from 2016 until now should absolutely confirm that they are active partners in stealing our liberty. All of them work together to purposely deceive the American public 
in order to impact an election in their favor. Never mind that illegal, fraudulent elections and voting truly altered this past election, and a feckless Congress did not stand by their constitutional duties and responsibilities to investigate it, we would never be in this situation if the press, social media, and tech giants had not picked their candidate to win. They collectively put their heavy thumb on the scale in favor of one candidate over another. In fact, Zuckerberg himself contributed millions of dollars towards efforts that were clearly in violation of a state's voting laws. But hey, orange man bad, and whatever it takes to get him out. Our liberties be damned. Free and fair elections be damned. Trust and confidence in our electoral process be damned. If our press were truly neutral, heck, neutral isn't even the correct word here, if they were only on the side of truth, we would not be in this mess. There were reports on Dementia Joe telling the lie that he had no knowledge or involvement in his son's business dealings going back for many years. And there is evidence from many years of his actual involvement in him. But the major media outlets were, not surprisingly, very uncurious about them. Why? It always goes back to the why. Tech giants, social media, and most of the U.S. print and cable news outlets see themselves as the power brokers of the planet, especially the United States of America. And politicians here, on all sides of the political spectrum, are completely fine with it. Oh, there will be an occasional squawking about it, but in the end, they all bend the knee to the media. If our electorate were not so apathetic, there would be demands to investigate and prosecute what is essentially in-kind political campaign contributions by big media, big tech. That is essentially what the squashing of these news stories are. It benefited a singular candidate of a singular political party. How much would a campaign pay for advertising needed to sway 13 million votes? That is an in-kind campaign contribution. And don't get me wrong here. I'm a huge believer in the Bill of Rights and the protection of our rights to a free press. I'm sure that if you're a regular or even an occasional listener to this podcast, you know I'm a strict constitutionalist. A free press is necessary to our republic. We no longer have a free press, though. We have an advocate press. They have actively chosen sides in the political arena. Right after oathbreakers being chased out of elected office, members of the unfree press should be chased out of public life as well, in addition to the owners of those media companies. These companies that have the ability to manipulate information for their preferred candidate are no longer a free press. They have become the communication department or marketing department for those candidates and political parties they favor. They do not report stories. They create stories they like and they kill actual news stories they do not like. So, 
if you couple a misleading or activist press with an apathetic and uncurious electorate, what do you get? You get generational elected officials plundering our sweat equity and our liberty and lying candidates with a clear history of influence peddling and cognizant decline winning elected office with a reported 81 million votes. The most votes for any candidate in American history. They are not the free press our founding fathers knew was necessary for the continuation of our constitutional republic. The electorate's apathy in choosing true servant leaders for elected office is now coupled with our apathy towards ensuring a free press in our country. Before we go on, I'd like to pause for a word from a supporter of this podcast. All right, back to lies. I sincerely hope and pray our electorate is starting to awaken to the lies that our supposedly free press has been peddling for decades so that we can restore our republic. But let's talk about another lie that came out last week. This would be about the usurper-in-chief's treasury secretary forming a framework agreement with 130 nations for a global minimum corporate tax. Our free press is reporting this as a big win for the usurper's administration. Well, that first thing there should be a clue. A big win for somebody means there is a big loss for somebody else. And if it is a big win for government, who is the big loser? Ladies and gentlemen, that would be us, the American taxpayer. The devil is in the details in this story that is being sold to the public and the world. The current U.S. effective corporate tax rate is 25.9%. That comes from a 21% federal corporate income tax rate with an average of 4.9 for the states. The usurper-in-chief, along with other usurpers in our federal government, want to raise the federal rate from 21% to 28%, which would make the effective corporate tax rate 32.9%. All of these tax increases are to raise revenue for government spending, Government investment in infrastructure, education, or what have you. Whatever the buzzword is for the day, investment in dot, dot, dot. On a side note, whenever somebody in government says we need to invest, they do not mean invest like you and I would do. Invest in usurper language means tax and spend our sweat equity on projects meant to get them reelected. Anyway, back to the minimum global tax rate that Treasury Secretary Yellen made an agreement with 130 other nations last week. She used one of the liberals' favorite terms in describing it as well, stating that corporations will now pay their fair share to support investment. There again, that's an inappropriate use of the word investment in public goods like infrastructure and education. What is not told in much of the reporting is that the government's which include all of the group of 20, will seek to implement a minimum corporate tax rate of at least, wait for it, wait for it, 15%. Yep, 15%. You heard that right. These 130 other countries 
have agreed to implement a minimum corporate tax rate of 15%. What does that mean for the United States? Does that mean we will lower our federal corporate tax rate of 21% to 15%? Go look in the mirror and try to seriously ask yourself that question. Stand in front of the mirror and ask, will our elected officials, based on this agreement that Janet Yellen just made with 130 other countries around the world, lower the United States of America's corporate tax rate to 15% in alignment with those other countries? When you stop laughing, you realize you can't consider that a serious question. Of course not. Look at all the rending of garments and gnashing of teeth that liberals conducted when the statutory corporate tax rate was lowered from 35% to 21% with the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. It was another one of those the world is going to end calls for many politicians. Add that to the usurper-in-chief's desire to re-raise the corporate tax rate to 28%. There is absolutely zero chance that the United States of America, with our current crop of feckless politicians, whose principles are more flexible and have more twists than a Twizzler licorice stick, lowering our corporate income tax rate to 15%. Zero. Now let's discuss the reason why these tax-hungry usurpers state this is necessary. Then we'll laugh at the convoluted logic. Treasury Secretary Yellen stated that our country has participated in a global race to the bottom competition with other countries to see which country could lower their corporate tax rates faster and further than other countries. That is the reason. Keep that in mind. It's a race to the bottom in lowering tax rates. Most sane people would ask, what's wrong with that? Everything in the eyes of the new aristocracy that is bent on putting the taxpayers in this country into perpetual bondage and growing the number of people that are dependent on government. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, that OECD, stated purpose for existing is that they are a global policy forum that promotes policies to improve the economic and social well-being of people around the world. But they left off a bit at the end of that sentence. Left out of that stated purpose is that they promote policies to improve the economic and social well-being of people around the world at the expense of the American taxpayer. People with enough common sense should be able to figure this out. I'll put it into very simple terms here. I'll give you a little scenario. Let's take two neighbors. Let's call one Sam and one Europa. They each have a 100-acre tract of land they are offering for business development. Now add to the scenario two identical companies. Let's say a couple of widget manufacturers. Everything about the tracts of land is identical. Same access to transportation, same number of eligible people in the workforce to hire from, Everything about the companies is identical as well. The same quality of widget produced, the same manufacturing equipment used, the same number of employees required to produce the product. So, parity on all levels. Landowner number one proposes to the widget companies, Acme Widgets Incorporated and Universal Widgets Incorporated, that they can build their factories and produce their widgets on their land for a fee of 28% on all profits. In other words, for every $100 in widget sales profits, 
whatever widget company that has the winning bid will provide the landowner with $28. $28 for every $100 in profit. More than one quarter of their profits will be paid to Sam in order to use Sam's land to build their factory and produce widgets. Now, on the other hand, Europa offers the identical amount of land to both companies, but only requires a 15% fee on the profits made. For every $100 in widgets sold, every widget company who takes this offer will only have to pay Europa $15. In that scenario, Europa won the race to the bottom. Acme Widget Incorporated gets picked to build its factory on Europa's land. Universal Widget has to build its factory on Sam's land. Although still profitable, Universal has to pay Sam $28 for every $100 in widget sales. Which company sees a better return on investment? Acme does, of course. So Acme is building capital faster than Universal is. With a bigger capital pool, Acme can now expand its factory and hire more workers. More workers, more product, more revenue, more expansion. More expansion, more employees. More employees equals more tax revenue on the income that the workers earn. Who is the big winner in this scenario? Still Europa. Acme has now doubled its workforce, paying double more in income tax. Universal is paying 28% for the use of Sam's land and cannot build enough capital to expand and hire in more employees. So the individual income tax revenue is stagnant. Universal needs to stay competitive with Acme, so what do they do now? Well, they search for a landowner that will offer the use of their land for a factory that is closer to the rate Europa is charging and not to the rate that Sam is charging. Universal now comes across Fantasia, who is offering their land for a fee that is the same as Europa's. What does Universal do now? Well, they close the factory on Sam's land and relocate their equipment to the new factory on Fantasia's land. Fantasia's workforce is now paying more individual income tax, while the workforce on Sam's land is out of work and no longer paying individual income tax. Oh, let's not forget that Sam, the one that's charging more money to build factories on their land, is providing neighborhood aid to Fantasia in Europe from the fees they collect from other companies that have factories on their land. Also, Sam is carrying the brunt of expenses needed to pay for neighborhood security as well. We cannot forget that. The scenario I just explained is what happens every day in our country. Sam is Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam is making it cost prohibitive in relation to other countries to build factories and employ more people in our country. Uncle Sam takes our sweat equity and distributes to other countries as foreign aid. We give China foreign aid from money we borrow from China. Uncle Sam uses our sweat equity to provide for the common defense as its constitutional duty to do so is, but our nation provides a security umbrella for a vast majority of those other 130 nations around the globe that benefit from our higher corporate tax rate here in the United States of America by sucking companies away from us.
Uncle Sam will not lower the corporate tax rate of 21% to match those 130 nations that promise the global minimum corporate tax rate of 15%. In the race to the bottom, the United States of America is losing where we should be absolutely winning. So as reported in the Wall Street Journal, of course, Treasury Secretary Yellen won international backing for this global minimum corporate tax rate. Of course she did. What other country would not agree to impose a lower corporate tax rate than the United States of America? It enhances their competitiveness for business development and attractiveness to corporations around the world. They will conduct business there instead of within our shores. The loser, again, is we, the taxpayers of the United States of America. This should be simple economics to every sane American, but our public, I mean government schools, are more intent these days on indoctrinating our children in pop culture, wokeness, and the divisive critical race theory than they are on civics and economics. Government, the new aristocracy, lies to us every day in trying to sell how these higher taxes for investments benefit our country. So, besides encouraging the electorate to shake off the apathy in order to fulfill our duty and responsibility for self-governments, I must also strenuously encourage people to get their children out of government schools. Homeschooling can save our republic. The only thing government schools are really good at today is creating more and more people that hate our country as founded and then end up becoming dependent on government as their savior. But on to the last set of lies we have time for today. This one is the one being introduced by the chief swamp rat, longtime usurper of liberty, Speaker of the House Pelosi. On the 28th of June, she introduced in the House of Representatives House Resolution 503. It is titled, Establishing the Select Committee to Investigate the January 6th Attack on the United States Capitol. This piece of legislation or this resolution's stated purpose is, number one, conduct an investigation of the relevant facts and circumstances relating to the attack on the Capitol. Two, identify, review, and evaluate the causes and the lessons learned from this attack. And three, submit a report containing findings, conclusions, and recommendations to prevent future acts of violence, domestic terrorism, and domestic violent extremism, and to improve the security of the U.S. Capitol Complex and other American democratic institutions. It's pretty simple language there. That is, if you're not willing to dig into the nuances used by the new aristocracy in passing legislation or resolutions in this case. Remember, our Congress passes artful lies. Let's take a look at stated purpose number one. Conduct an investigation of the relevant facts and circumstances relating to the attack on the Capitol. Dollars to donuts, there will be no mention that the Speaker of the House is ultimately responsible for the security of the Capitol complex or her dereliction of duty in not heeding warnings from law enforcement entities about the possibility 
of hostile attacks that day because it won't be considered relevant in Pelosi's mind. There will be no mention of or clarification of the point that the only death that is a direct result of the events of that day was that of an unarmed female protester at the hands of law enforcement. If the protester represented anybody or anything other than President Trump, her unarmed killing by law enforcement would be the reason for entire cities around the country burning right now, right? I mean, we saw that all over the country in 2020. Another relevant fact that will be omitted is the one where the Capitol Security actually opened the doors and waved these protesters into the Capitol building. Nope, it will not be considered relevant. Much like Hunter Biden's laptop, the fact is not being mentioned or not very much attention is given to that piece of news. There is videotape of this happening, and it's all over the internet, but it's not on major news outlets. Big tech isn't promoting it. Social media will call it a conspiracy theory. They cannot mention it in their report because it paints the government in the very awkward but completely accurate light of being ineffectual. In other words, the only relevant facts and circumstances that will officially come out of the select committee established by Nancy Pelosi will be lies and half-truths, much like the impeachment part one and part two of President Trump. On to stated reason number two, to identify, review, and evaluate the cause and the lessons learned from this attack. That one should be very interesting. Again, with a committee controlled by crime family Pelosi, staffed by a majority of big government statists and big government liberals, the cause that will be the focus is orange man bad. Just like every bit of language that has come out of their mouths since 2016. For stated reason number three, this is where it gets sticky and problematic for more than half of the country. The committee will use this opportunity to recommend legislation that identifies anybody that supports the Constitution as written or demands accountability from the elected officials in Washington, D.C. as domestic terrorists or domestic violent extremists. Mark my words, that will be the biggest item that comes out of this select committee. You see, January 6th kind of scared them. They see that they are walking the fine line of establishing totalitarianism in the United States of America by the slow spread of apathy and the citizens waking up to corruptness that is our government. They will use this select committee to justify passing legislation that will completely ignore the Bill of Rights in our Constitution. Much like the select committee after 9-11 resulted in the Patriot Act unleashing all of our government's three-letter agencies against the citizenry, This committee will build upon that work. And big tech, social media, and news media will gladly play along with any legislation that will strengthen their control of information. Until and unless we as a nation shake off this apathy and return our government to its only role. As Abraham Lincoln said, we the people are the rightful masters of both Congress and the courts. Not to overthrow the Constitution, but to overthrow the men who would pervert the Constitution. 
the new aristocracy, the usurpers of our liberty, have been perverting our Constitution for decades. We have to shake off this apathy before it is too late. Because you can vote yourselves into socialism, you can vote yourselves into totalitarianism, but you have to fight your way out of it. We have to take a stand now. We have to take a stand in the arena and defend our Constitution as written and the liberties it protects. Before we close the show, I would like to leave you with this from God's Word. Psalm seven fourteen: The wicked conceive evil. They are pregnant with trouble and give birth to lies. Our elected officials the usurpers of our liberty, with their partners in big tech, social media, and cable and print news, are the wicked. And they are definitely pregnant with trouble. In fact, they are continuously pregnant with trouble. They give birth often to lies. They create them every day. They create new ones And they repeat old ones. Why? You have to ask the why. They want to deny us our God-given rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's why. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.